Listening Dog Media. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires. Another week rolls by, another Offside Rule podcast. We get it, brought to you by Continental Tyres, getting you to the game safely. I'm Lindsay Hooper, your host for this one, joined by Kate Borsay. Hello, now I've got a very croaky voice, as has... Me. <laughs> Which, if you don't know who it is, it's Mina, and I have a terrible, terrible cold. Well, that makes three of us yeah. because I'm also going to sniff occasionally as well. But we'll we'll let that go by. It's that time of year: February, flu, sneezes, tissues. If anyone likes deep, husky voices, stay right where you are, folks. <laughs> you know what? I think I got a voiceover once because I had a cold, and then you turn up, turn up to do the actual real thing, and uh, your pitch is a bit higher. And like, what? What's going on there? Anyway, this is what's coming up on this week's podcast how can we ignore them Leicester City they're the bookies favourites for the Premier League title it's finally the time to give them some plaudits we've been backing off we've been biding our time we've let Claudio do his thing but it's looking like they're really in the race and minimum we've got to say now that they're looking like they're going to be in Champions League next season Mm. Leicester City fans must be absolutely over the moon so we're going to talk about them i want a couple of facts things that people might not know about leicester city you can delve in the archives or you can give us something quite current i'm going to start you off with that in just a moment as well speaking of bookies as well and then being bookies favorites i've read a great story about a bookies who had to pay out early on a bet because they made a mistake got something terribly wrong inspired me to think about other times that bookmakers have got it wrong in football they're usually the winners aren't they they're usually the ones that are mm. taking the money home Oh, indeed they are. But there has been some great stories where you wouldn't have imagined that certain bookies or that certain underdogs would ever win and they were forced to pay out huge amounts of money. Well, that's what we're going to touch on. And also, we'll round things off, finally, by just talking about European football, because this is your area of expertise, Mina, as our guest this week. And rather than do something specific, it's just been one of those weeks in Europe where there's a few stories that have emerged 
I don't think we need to set anything on the agenda apart from look at the last seven days. Mm. That's what I want you to do. Is that all okay? Yep. Yep. Nods of agreement. I'm trying to come to Kate as little as possible as she tries to rest that voice of hers. <laughs> but no resting because we've got topics on the way now. The female take on football. So beginning with Leicester City, and I'm talking facts, a couple of facts each, please. Things that our listeners might not ordinarily know about the Foxes. I'm going to give you one to start us off because, you know what, if Leicester City do go on to win the Premier League this season, it would be the first time that a club has won the Premier League title that have no zero experience of winning a title before. So I'm talking about previous winners of the Premier League have either won the old first division or the Premier League before. So they're going to be the first ones. That is my first little fact to get us underway. And as ever, we'll start with our guest, Mina, over to you. Okay, so for me, what I have is that the Foxes hold the record for the most FA Cup final appearances without winning the competition, which is quite funny, really, because Claudio Ranieri, at least in Italy, is called always the bridesmaid and never the bride because he's so <laughs> good at coming second. And apparently, so are Leicester City. Yeah, I read that one too because they've reached the final four times, haven't they? That's exactly what it is. Also, without Jane Vardy's 18 goals in the Premier League this season, they would be 18 points worse off. Wow. Can you imagine that? Someone's been busy on their calculator. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Riyad Mahrez became the... Oh, my God, I don't know if you saw this, but on Twitter, someone was talking about how Algeria was so proud of Riyad Mahrez and one of the Leicester fans goes, he belongs to Leicester. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Anyway, but he became the first player, according to Arthur at least, to reach double figures in terms of both goals and assists in the Premier League this season. Do you just want sort of footballing facts or do you want general facts? Anything. Like, I think it's, you know, Leicester's a former holder of the Curry capital of the UK. So if you're looking for attractive football and a curry at the end... <laughs> you mean that's not Wolverhampton? No, it isn't, Lindsay. I'm, I'm so sorry to break this to you live on the podcast. In their entire history, Leicester City have spent just one season outside of the top two tiers in England. So whilst they've, a bit like... Claudio, always been the bridesmaid, never been the bride. They have always been right up there. So um, good little fact on them. Um, I've got another one, but it's a little bit more tenuous. So I'll pass back to you, Linz. I'm going to chip in with a goalkeeping stat. I say stat, it's just a fact. But I think of late, have we not thought that Stoke City are naturally the club that produce great goalkeepers? They have done, haven't they, in recent history. We've always gone on about how Stoke City have been quite good at that. But go back in the archives and Leicester City produced two of the best goalkeepers that we have ever seen, two of England's greatest goalkeepers. They made over 350 appearances each for Leicester, Gordon Banks and mm. Peter Shilton spent 16 years between them at Leicester City. Another one that I've got for you is because I like all the finances is that Jamie Vardy and Riyad Mahrez collectively cost Leicester City £1.5 million. Mm. Pounds. I'm not saying I could afford that, but just imagine if we all pulled <laughs> our, our money together and just bought them in and created a little team around them, we'd be top of the Premier League. <laughs> Can you afford that? Because we're really wanting to turn this podcast into a, a TV show or a, a radio broadcast. <laughs> Think about it. If we all put our money together and just sort a mortgage, we could definitely get them in. <laughs> if we each had a garage in Kensington, we could sell them and raise that money, ladies, couldn't we? Pipe dreams. There we go. Here's a little uh, slightly innocuous fact. If, if we're talking kind of general sporting facts for Leicester, did you know that they were 
dubbed, so not really, but they were dubbed, Sporting Capital of the UK in 1997, when Leicester City won the Coca-Cola Cup, Leicester Tigers won the Pilkington Cup, and Leicestershire County Cricket Club held the County Championship, all going off in Leicester in a sporting sense in 97. Lovely. I believe as well, to tie into our next topic, you have a good one in terms of bookies, because they are the bookies' favourites now, five Mm. points clear at the top of the Premier League. It's going to be, isn't it, a a tight race all the way to the end, I think. Well, it takes a true Leicester fan, doesn't it, at the beginning of this season to place a bet on his side winning the Premier League with odds of 5,000 to one. It (laughs) takes a few kahunas and maybe a bit of small change, doesn't it? Now, I've actually heard about this because he's not cashed in yet. No. You have this ability to cash in a bet, but he's holding off. I would at the moment, whilst they're five points clear at the top, mm. you've got a bit more time to spare. But I don't know how long I could hold my nerve because I'm the sort of person that watches Deal or No Deal and thinks <laughs> I'd cash in my box so early. Give me the money, quick. <laughs> well, he's been offered £3,200 to cash out of his wager, as you say. He placed £5 initially on Leicester to win the title at the start of the season. If he hangs on and the team hang on... He he could stand to win around £25,000. I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Well, that ties us in beautifully, Kate, because next it is to do with bookmakers. I want to know when the bookmakers have got it seriously wrong. This has happened quite a few times. you think that it's a one-off? It's not. Uh, who wants to go first? Well, I'm going to throw in another Leicester one here, seeing as we've been talking um, about the side. On the opening day of the season, not only were they 5,000 to 1 to win the Premier League title, as we've said, they were 3 to 1 to get relegated. Right now, they're 3,500 to 1. So if you're doing it the reverse way round... Um, I've got some more Leicester coming for you because not only are they defying the odds in terms of winning the Premier League, their players are defying the odds as well. But I'm going to hand over to Mina. Euro 2004... Greece were 150 to 1 outside bet to win the whole tournament. So they started it off by beating uh, Portugal in the opening game. Then they reached the quarterfinals. They defeated France and Czech Republic and then back to Portugal again to lift the title. I mean, I just remember just Greece went crazy when that happened. But imagine you had put your money down on Greece. Another interesting one, only because this is the country of all corruption. We're talking, of course, about Italy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Only an Italian's allowed to get away with that, Mina. we can't say that. (laughs) No, of course not. It's like only women can talk about women. (laughs) Either way, in 1980s, obviously, we were hit with another scandal about uh, which teams are getting preferential treatment from referees. So in the 1984-85 season, match referees were actually randomly picked so none of them were pre-prepared and all picked by the FA. So just random guys were put into a hat, basically, and wow. this is this is going to be the referee for this match. Now, incidentally, when that actually happened for the first time in Italian football, guess who won the season? Someone who wasn't in the top four. <laughs> and it was, in fact, Hellas Verona, the team who this season have only won their first game last week. Okay, So Hellas Verona had won that title in 1985, one of the biggest outside bets you would ever imagine. A team that's really old in the sense that they've got huge and also very big because they, even in Serie B, they had one of the largest stadium attendances, which we know is a problem in Serie A. So back then, it just goes to show you that maybe, just maybe, if you let the officials be random, then an outside bet will win. What does that say about a justice system and the court system? <laughs> Isn't that what a jury is? Mm. Mm. Right. I have to say this is a very dangerous topic for me because I don't know whether Kate's aware. I love a little flutter and mm-hmm. bet. And I have to stop myself. 
I think I could actually have a real problem if I if I really let myself go. I do. I have to really hold back sometimes. So I listen to these stories where they've got it really wrong and people have a quids in and it makes me really tempted. This is a great example of it because back in 2009, this is when local knowledge pays dividends. We're going down south to Weymouth. Now, Weymouth had got a fixture coming up against Rushton and Diamonds. Now, had this been an ordinary fixture and Weymouth's first team were going up against Rushton and Diamonds' first team, then you'd say, well, it's really hard to predict. Don't really know what's going on there. We can't really have a a good flutter. It's going to go one way or the other. It's, It's hard to predict. However, local knowledge was key on this because... The first team were refusing to play that fixture. They were actually boycotting the match. And what they knew locally is that the youth team were going to play this fixture. A bunch of 17-year-olds going up against the first team from Rushton and Diamonds. So, of course, all the local community and a lot of people who were very savvy to it knew that they weren't going to win that game. They went on to lose 9-0. But some people in the area had gone to all the bookmakers, put on so many bets, bet hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands. They'd rang friends and family up and down the country asking them. The bookmakers suddenly were like, we've never had so many bets on Weymouth against Rushton and Diamonds. They had to pay out over a million pounds because so many people tried to cash in on it and successfully did so. So that was one example. And it makes me go really wide eyed. You can tell, can't you? I'm like, I've got to try and find this out myself. Craigie, it's amazing that the bookies didn't put a stop to it earlier, but, but I guess in they those... Didn't are... Actually, in the end, they, they stopped betting completely, but wow. it was too late after a certain point. The damage had been done, hadn't it? Here's a few more looking at the beginning of this season and looking at where we are now in terms of the odds. So I've gone really recent for mine. If you two are going to be doing a bit of... Um, reflecting further back down through the years. Let's look at the top goalscorer odds because, again, it's been a surprising season for that. No thanks to Leicester City. Jamie Vardy, he's top of the goalscoring charts as we speak. 18 goals for him. On the opening day of the season, guess what the odds were for him to be top goalscorer? I'm going to say something out there like 50 to 1. Try adding a zero on that. 500 to 1. Really? Yep. I was going to say it's 150 to 1. Uh-uh-uh. Riyad Mahrez, we've discussed him in this podcast already, haven't we? Opening day of the season, there weren't even any odds for him. That's how, uh, that's how he was deemed to be a potential top goalscorer. First priced up on August the 20th at 250 to 1. Now he's 10 to 1. Diego Costa, top goalscorer in contrast. Beginning of the season, 6 to 1. Now, 150 to 1. So it swings both ways. Although I think with Diego Costa, we could well see those odds improve, couldn't we? Because he's sort of coming into a bit of form now. No, I don't think so. I you don't? I disagree with that. I don't think he's ever... Not even after the weekend? Not even after the weekend. My feeling is that he just doesn't mesh well. Here's another quick one for you. Watford to be relegated. Opening day of the season, 4 to 6. Now, 100 to 1 to be relegated. So really interesting stats there about where you might have placed your money. I I mean, I think you'd have to go back a fair few seasons to find such a disparity. Just a quick one on Watford. I think that if you knew what the Pozzo family do and the kind of money in in the scouting system they had before, you would never have taken that bet. The one at the beginning of the season? There was no way Watford were ever going to get relegated the way that they had planned for their Premier League season. They were always going to do quite well. Mm, Lindsay? Well, I think just one final one from me in terms of bookmakers really getting it wrong. Betfred owner, Fred Doan, I think it's Doan or Doné, or I, I don't know how you say his name. Doné. <laughs> but anyway, Betfred owner, Fred. <laughs> 
You know what? He's he's a huge Manchester United fan, and you may recall this happening because I do. Do you remember the season? We're going back a long time now. We're going back to 1998 when they cashed out early on Man United winning the yes, title. I do, I do, I do remember that. He did that weeks ahead in advance. He was a big United fan, and he said, "Right, that's it. You know, they're going to win the trophy, so I'll pay out early." Paid all of these customers who'd had bets on Manchester United winning the title. He lost over five hundred thousand pounds. Because he was the first bookmaker to pay out early on them winning the league. But United at that time, they were 12 points clear. It ended up that they lost out by one point on the title to Arsenal. You see, sometimes it doesn't always pay to try and get out early, does it? And I think he might have even tried doing that again since, actually. He didn't learn any lessons. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at OffsideRulePod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule We Get In. There's only one of us. It's been a really interesting seven days in European football. We always like to cast a light on that when Mina Rizuki is on the podcast because this is your area of expertise. You're a huge Juventus fan. And so I'm going to start us off with a little fact that happened in Europe in the last seven days to do with your team. Tell me. I hope I know. (laughs) I'm sure you will know. So Juventus equaled their record number of consecutive league wins in a single season. And that's all happened in the last seven days. So any more to elaborate on that? Because that's the only top line that I got in terms of Juventus news but you must know the last time that that happened and all those sorts of things well basically when they managed the 12 consecutive Serie A wins which was a club record at the time they did so two years ago when they were under Antonio Conte and that team had Andrea Pirlo Arturo Vidal at his prime when he was absolutely phenomenal Carlos Tevez of course this is a largely new squad uh, that failed in the beginning of the season people were they were 12th at one point they were wondering if they're going to get into a relegation fight this was the mighty Juventus that had 12 new arrivals and so many veterans, including the three that I just mentioned, leave. So there were all these questions asked. The fact that they're now they've just won their 14th uh, league game. So that's 14 consecutive league games. They're now going after Milan's title from I think I believe it's 2006 to 2007 when they managed 17. So that's the title they're going for now. Do you think they can do that? Are the fixtures favourable? Well, this is where it gets interesting. They're facing Napoli next and Napoli is ahead of them in the table. They're two points ahead of them. So if they manage to win the 15th consecutive Serie A win, we're talking about them taking first spot again. So it's whether or not they can pip Napoli, but it could happen because they are playing in their own stadium. So we we have no idea whether or not that's going to happen. Meanwhile, Roma have now started to win under Luciano Spalletti, who is their new coach that took on from Rudy Garcia. Hellas Verona only managed their first win of the season. Literally last week, and it was huge because I think they were the last team in Europe to have gone without a win all of season. There was one French team. You mean there is a team worse than Aston Villa? Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically there is. Imagine that. <laughs> they were the worst team. I think they were up against another French team that hadn't managed to win, and then the French team won, and Hellas Verona still hadn't. They finally got their win against Atalanta last week, and now they played Inter. So Inter were top of the league just a few weeks ago in Italy. So obviously this kind of game, you're just thinking, poor Hellas Verona, after they got their first win, they have to play Inter of all teams, Mancini's Inter. They were winning 3-1 against Inter. They conceded three set pieces. And then, unfortunately, Inter managed to find two. Well, unfortunately, I say because poor Hellas Verona fans were probably like, yeah, finally, we're doing something special. Inter managed to equalise and it finished 3-3. Still quite embarrassing for a big club. 
but uh, it was a huge talking point, uh, obviously, in Italy. I think La Liga was a little bit more interesting, only because of what's happening with Neville's Valencia at the moment, mm. because they are rather ridiculous and everything that they're doing is bad. I think what's essentially bad is that they lost 1-0 to Real Betis, yes. a team that basically their president just resigned a week ago. And he actually said... Nobody wanted this job, so I took it. And then I tried to resign and no one would allow me. So I'm finally resigning now after he announced who was arriving on the transfer winter market. Do you know Valencia are only the second team this season to lose against Real Betis? That tells you a little bit about how rubbish Real Betis are. Sorry, Real Betis fans. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting to get your opinion on this because obviously here in the UK, Mina, we're all wishing Gary Neverwell. Okay, I mean, I mean, I know as a Liverpool fan, I'm not meant to like him. I think he's won the hearts of most of the nation for his sterling work on, you know, commentary and um, analysis. And I think we genuinely want to see an English manager do well over there after David Moyes didn't do so well at Real Sociedad and he really adds his name to a fairly lengthy list of English managers who don't do great things abroad. What's interesting about Gary Neville is that he's been very straight-talking, as he is, and basically said, I feel like my obituary has been written already saying that he said before he came to La Liga he'd be judged in five months he said well I've been judged in six weeks and this comes after former Valencia goalkeeper and he also captained the side actually Canizares as well as supporters you know basically calling for Neville to go so is it appropriate for him to go after so many teams bearing in mind that his business partner is also his boss as well should that happen will that happen or should they hang on in there I'm really sorry, but I'm honestly flabbergasted when I read what he said about that and the fact that he was like, my obituary was written. It's as if he had done no kind of research on Valencia. I feel like most people would know we're talking about one of the toughest teams in Spain. And I don't mean in the sense that the atmosphere is so difficult. Mm. The fans are so demanding that honestly speaking, in terms of what the fans' expectations are, we're talking about Real Madrid and Barcelona levels. So they're a bit like a Newcastle (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, a nice little dig there. <laughs> but it is above their station. Yeah, it's 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 delusions of grandeur. Essentially, this was a team that had uh, Unai Emery as their coach, who was coming third, consistently coming third behind Real Madrid and Barcelona, and they were unhappy that he wasn't pushing a team that had Messi and another one that had Ronaldo to the very top. Mm. Emery left because I mean they weren't happy with that. Mm. Then they got Nuno Espirito Santo last year, who did an exceptional job there in the sense that he built a really nice style of play. They were very exciting to watch, very tough, very dynamic, very aggressive. He managed to make a top four finish. They got into the Champions League for this season. Despite the fact that they didn't do well, they turned against him because for them, he, he, he was the guy who represented Peter Lim, who is the owner who they hate. But we're talking about a guy who led you back to glory after quite a few seasons that were a bit dismal. But because he didn't embrace Negredo, Manchester City's Negredo, or because he didn't win every single match, they were like, you know what, get out of there. And then that's when Neville came in and it's like, what did you expect? That they were all going to applaud you with the tons of horrifying results that you managed? No, you have to accept it. You've chosen to be coach of the most difficult team in, in Spain. By the way, when I when I mentioned Newcastle there, that was purely for comedic effect. I am very conscious that we have someone who works on our team who does a lot with the podcast and promoting it each week, <laughs> oh, who's a big Newcastle fan. <laughs> Sorry, Natasha, for that one. It could have easily been Spurs that I mentioned, couldn't it? Anyone, really. Spurs are second, so yeah. you definitely can't play that card at the moment. Not at the moment, that's why I went with Newcastle. Well, we always have in Italy, we always say it's much easier to be coach of Juventus and Milan than it is to be coach of Roma because of the extraordinary pressure yeah. that is placed. And they're not a team that have won half as much as what those two teams have. 
What do you think about Neville, though, Lindsay? You know, he's lost four games and drawn five. They're currently four points above the relegation zone as we record this. Does he just wrap it up? Does he just say, do you know what? You know what? It didn't work. I'm off. Does he stay and battle it out? It's not even the big teams. I mean, I understand if he's playing like that, but he's losing against teams like, obviously, Real Betis, who have a a temporary coach now who's actually been confirmed the rest of the season, who's who's a guy I really love, Juan Marino. But we're talking and and they're sporting Quijon, they suffered against as well. And you're like, you're, you're not supposed to be losing these types of matches with the team that you have. I think every part of Gary Neville's character, though, is is not a quitter, is it? it? He wasn't in football. I don't think he was in analysis. I think he's got a big point to prove there as well because he wanted to go down the managerial route to back up what he's been saying as an analyst to mm-hmm. say that, you know what, I've got to go and I've, I've got to actually go and experience this. And he will see it through as much as he can. I think he took on the wrong job. I really do. I think that he should have gone with an, an English team and worked his way up that way, maybe from championship level or working under someone else. But I don't think he's the sort of person. I was just thinking, does Gary Neville and a championship team work? No, they don't. I just don't think his his ego and his belief, and I mean ego yeah. in the nicest sense of the word, and the level that he's used to playing at, as well as being part of the England setup, being on one of the major sports channels. You know, he's always at the top of his level. I don't think he'd go to the championship. I'm going to make a point that maybe Van Hal might disagree with me here, but I, I think most foreign coaches like to come to the Premier League or like to come to England, especially with Italian ones, is because they feel that they have the fan support, at least for a, quite a while. Mm. And yes, you'll have to deal with the media, but you have to deal with the media. But the atmosphere is a little bit more friendly in this country mm. than in elsewhere. So they like to come here because they can do their work, they can start something, and then they know that they'll have at least a little bit of time to show what they're worth. But Neville chose to go the other way. Yeah. And if you're going the other way then you have to learn how to deal with the consequences and also isn't it worth making a note of Diego Simeone's ruled himself out of coming to the Premier League taking on a Chelsea job because of the language barrier let's not underestimate how important that is in a dressing room yeah exactly I mean Pirlo writes in his autobiography this wonderful comment at the time when they had Fatih Terim who's a Turkish uh, trainer at the time and he said he would come in with his translator who just seemed really unbothered and he would talk for about a monologue and be like you know gesturing where to go and what to do and obviously they didn't understand it. They would all turn to the translator at the end of it and he'd say, so pass the ball to Pirlo and yeah, go have fun. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just saying that there was obviously loads of tactical instructions that the interpreter just couldn't be bothered to give us at the time. Needless to say, Terem didn't last as long as he probably should have. Well, I have to say as well, because quite a few years ago, someone tried to talk me into going for a job at Real Madrid TV, but part of it was in Spanish. And someone said, oh, but you can learn Spanish, you can pick it up quick. And I said... I think there's a difference between speaking a language and broadcasting in Communicating. it. Communicating. Yeah. Bring up true communication. So doesn't that translate as well? Oh, you should have taken that job, though. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. If only I had that time machine. Um, no, no, I really can't. I can't speak any other languages. Let me bring in an Englishman who's playing abroad, just to tie this topic full circle. Because... In Italy at the moment, you might be aware of this, I'm sure you are, Mina. I'm talking about Tommaso Bianchi because he used to play for Leeds United. In fact, he's on loan, a midfielder. Now, he lasted just 25 minutes on his debut before being sent off. So often we get asked about this. I very regularly asked, you know, the the opposite way around. We hear of all the foreign players that come to England, but how about the English players that go out to Italy, Spain? Well, here's one. He's gone out to Italy, first 25 minutes back, sent off. He endured an unhappy time as well at at, um, Elland Road. He used to be a regular star 
starter before he had knee surgery. But some injuries, that's it, isn't it? He hadn't kicked a ball for Leeds um, since he had an injury in 2014, managed to get this uh, move to Italy. The jury's out. Maybe it will all come good, but it didn't get off to the best start. So that's my seven days look back <laughs> at an Englishman in Italy. <laughs> well, talking with a vaguely English link, Fernando Torres, we know he uh, made his move back to Spain. What a good move that was after enjoying success at Liverpool and then it all going horribly wrong at Chelsea for him. And look, it would have been easy for his career to take a nosedive, for him to take a big money move to China and see out the rest of his career for Megabox. Which he but, rejected. Which he rejected. Thank you, Mina, for that little nugget. Instead, of course, we know that Torres went back to Atletico and lovely, lovely moment at the weekend. He reached his 100 goal tally for the club and the amazing thing about this, if you've not been keeping up with this story, is that it took him a whole entire round of games to get from the 99th goal up to that 100th goal. I'm sorry, Fernando, this is a touch unfortunate, but there is a happy ending. What's really interesting about that is they had a jersey designed for him that yes. said 100 goals and they were like trying to look for it by the time he scored the 100. Because yeah. by 20 <laughs> matches it took me, the 20 matches of carting that shirt round. Yeah, because when they were discussing that in the market, the who was going to leave and who was going to say, at the end of the day, Jackson was the one who was selling to China. And because Torres was offered a role, or at least his agent claimed that he was going to be one of the best paid stars, but he wanted to stay and they kept him and he scored his 100. Well, what you have to be is you have to be a striker in such good form that you don't even have time to get the shirt printed what you do is you write it on in biro which is what Steve Bull did at Molyneux when he scored his 300th goal and I saw that revealed it was on in biro his 300th he didn't have time because he was on fire <laughs> Stevie Bull well I think we're gonna have to leave it there girls because we're running out of time again but thank you very much for joining us once again Mina Thank you. Hopefully I'll sound better for the next one. <laughs> yeah, wishing you both a speedy recovery as myself. I'm on, I'm on the day and night nurse too. Do make sure that you go over to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Check out some of the latest articles on there. Oh. Kate usually likes to do a little rundown no. of what, what you can get. There's a really good, we've got a very, very talented set of female writers, something that's really important, by the way, to go and check out. And we've got a new La Liga blog from one of them. Really good blog. So do check out the European stuff on there as well. You can also follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. Give us a like on Facebook and we will return next week. It will be Kate and I and another mystery guest. See you then. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.